Hi there, I'm Robin with More Than Mothering, and this is episode four with Kathleen. Welcome to the More Than Mothering podcast, where we highlight admirable moms in every stage and with all different experiences and skill sets. We believe moms are the experts in their own home, and we can all learn and be inspired by each other. Kathleen is the children's librarian in my town, and I wish I could take you into a story time with her and show you just how children hang on her every word. There's some kind of magical quality about her, and in fact, I call her the Pied Piper of our town. I think I think my daughter, my oldest, would just do anything Miss Kathleen asked her to do. Kathleen's a bit of a departure from my regular I usually say that I don't interview experts on this show. I only interview mothers who are the experts in their own home. But I couldn't help uh, but take the opportunity to interview Kathleen with all of the wisdom that she's had. I also wanted to take the opportunity with Kathleen to show that mothers come in all forms. Kathleen has never had the chance to have biological children of her own but she mothers hundreds of children every week and is certainly a mother figure in my children's lives and in my life as well. I'm here with my friend Kathleen today. Thank you so much for oh, being you. willing to do this with me. Thank you, I'm honored. Um, I, uh, I have to say I, I told my husband that I think you are the Pied Piper of our town. I, uh, oh, I really gosh, believe I that my child would do just about anything you asked her to do, um, and uh, and I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, at more than we try to honor all forms of mothering, and if there was ever a woman that nurtured and um, and loved my girls and all other children, um, it's you. So sorry to make you cry right off the bat. No, I really appreciate it. Me too, especially coming from you. Thank you. Um, so Kathleen is our children's librarian. Um, she was a school teacher for 20 years, most of that in elementary mm-hmm. school, kindergarten and first. Yeah. And uh, has been a children's librarian for 22 years. That's right. That's right. And uh, is married to Justin mm-hmm. and a stepmom of three. Yes. Grandma of five. Yes. And uh, I'm excited to pick your brain. Okay. Today. I hope I have something to do. <laughs> you absolutely do. <laughs> okay. um, I first just want to know, you've spent 42 years working with children. I have. Why children? What do you love about working with children? Oh, that's such a good question. I, um, I love who children are. I love that they're in the moment, that they don't have the, or I don't see that they have some of the same challenges that adults do, which is looking either ahead or behind. They're in the moment. I think there's great wisdom to stay in the moment. Um, I love their innocence, and I love that they are pretty comfortable um, saying what they think and what they feel without too much of a filter, and I think there's a lot to learn from that, and I just delight in how they see the world. That's a great answer. As working as uh, an educator for so long, Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering if you can, uh, you know, obviously you see some trends there, wondering what kind of key predictors you see as far as um, a child's success? What what do you know is happening at the home or not happening in the home that will help or hurt a child in school? 
Um, I, I can say that when I was a teacher, whenever I had parent and um, teacher conferences, and I, of course, always had the kids in their conferences with the parents as well, because sure. it's a, I always saw that as kind of a three-legged stool, myself, the parents, and the child all together. And um, parents would almost always ask me, what can I do to help my child? And then you just fill in the blank, help my child do better in school, help my child keep doing well in school, help my child read, help my child do math. It, it didn't matter to me whatever was fill in the blank. Um, how, to um, how can I help my child get along better with others? I mean, all of those questions. And my answer was always the same. It was um, read aloud to them, sing to them, cook with them, and take walks with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that those four things um, that parents and all of us can do with our children make the biggest difference because each one of them comes down to time together, uh, meaningful time together. And I'm a big believer in getting children outside. <laughs> for lots of reasons, um, but I mean literally every single day of the year that I taught, we went outside because I want kids to know that what their world is and, and I want to see the world through their eyes. I want them to know that this is their world and I think the more connected we can make our children, help our children be connected to the world, the better they'll take care of it because my generation hasn't done a very good job. <laughs> and um, we're feeling the consequences of that and I really, I want children to feel this is their world, and um, so that's the outside part of it and the inside part. I love the, I love parents who take the time to cook with their children, whatever it is, because there's language going on. Of course, there's math and reading and all, and science and all those other things. But to me, it's the connection that happens on those one-on-one, -on -one, or if there's more than one child, one-on-two or one-on-three times. That I think they they teach a lot and they store memories quite strongly. I know my own self, some of my strongest memories of growing up are with my mother cooking. And um, yeah, um, I tell her that now, and she, you know, she'll say things like, I don't remember that we cooked that much together. <laughs> but I, um, I, I still remember there were four of us two boys and two girls, and we lived in the country. And my mom made everything, everything that we ate, literally everything. And so we were always around the table with our hands in flour making bread or stirring um, tomatoes for ketchup. And I'm, I think part of the reason mom might not see it is us cooking together because it's just what she did. And we were just a natural part of it. So I'm a big believer in that. And of course, reading aloud, mm, it just doesn't get any better than that. Right. Language and, and emotional time together. And, and I love when I go out to do presentations like to adults in the community to talk about literacy. I did just a, actually a couple weeks ago to a group of mamas. And um, I said, um, I could ask all of us to close our eyes in here and, and go back to our childhood and see if we can pull memories up of someone reading aloud to us. And, um, and I said, and if you have that memory, then you know that feeling. And if you don't have that memory, and many of us don't, you have the capacity to give that to your child. So 20 years from now, when there's some other old fucker <laughs> saying to your child, close your eyes and think about someone who read aloud to you. I mean, it just makes me cry. There is that immediate gift that lasts forever. I love that. Oh. Say those four again for me. Outside um, every day, outside or outside time. Uh, reading, read aloud with read them, aloud. cook with them, sing with them. Cook with them and sing with them. Because I think singing wow. has the capacity, I think music has the capacity to connect us all, but particularly with our children in different ways. And um, I pro you probably have heard this story many times since you've been at the library for years <laughs> with their kids, but I will, I will share it because it's a powerful one. When I was in the second grade, um, my um, music teacher, um, we had an itinerant music teacher that came to our school because we were a very rural school, so like once a, I think it was once every month or something, um, the music teacher came and she said to me, I think it would be better if you didn't sing 
um, Katie. They called me Katie or Kathy back then. And she said, because it really hurts my ears when you sing. So why don't you stand here at the piano and turn the pages for the rest of us, and it'll be better. Now that had, I was in second grade, so I was seven, I'm 63, so 56 years ago, I can still feel that feeling, I can still hear her words, I can still see her face, and I didn't sing aloud, and I, I didn't ever sing out loud um, until I got to college and was studying to be a teacher. And then I realized, oh, <laughs> kids don't really care what you sound like. Yeah. That whatever sound you make, as long as you're loving and having a good time with them, they love it. But it was a powerful lesson for me in terms of connection and disconnection. And um, I think music has that capacity to connect us. And I always say, when I'm doing a presentation like to a group of adults, again, I'll say, if you close your eyes and you think back to a song that um, you remember from high school or from junior high or middle school or whatever, even if you haven't heard it for years and years and years, you'll probably remember all the lyrics mm -hmm. because it's stored rhythmically in our brain and it's a huge gift um, to read, to help read aloud and for language. So that's yeah. what I recommend. Oh, I love that. I love those four. I've never heard those put together. That's really cool. Okay. Did you really take your class outside every day? Every day. Every single day. And I have to say, winter is not my favorite season. Yeah. You know, especially in kindergarten when you get the boots on, you get the boots off, you get the snowsuits on, you get them But I just, I thought, if I'm going to really say that the environment is important, um, then we better do it. And yeah, and what was really interesting is, you know, if you teach long enough, then the kids that you teach eventually have children of their own that come into your classroom too. But I had taught long enough that some of my kids, you know, became adults and they came back and what they said they remembered, I thought they would remember different things than they did. I thought they'd remember all the books we read aloud and things. And some of them did, but every single child that's ever adult now that was my child in my classroom has come back and said, I remember being outside. Every single day. Which has to make you feel oh, so successful. It really touches me. It does. And I had really good elementary teachers in our real school that got us outside. I had a teacher uh, one year that um, would go out every, almost every single day. I don't think we went out every day. But in the wintertime, she'd go out and play fox and geese with us in the snow. And I remember that. So I repeated that, you know, with my kids when I taught. And so, yeah, it was a great legacy to pass on, I think. I love that. From my time teaching, I, I would say that was the thing that frustrated me the most about school is is losing recess time and oh i'm so concerned cutting that out is because those kids need that so yeah they do and that's their natural world to 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 learn it i always think it's so ironic that we talk about weather in the classroom <laughs> when weather's outside that's like let's go outside i've never thought of that. that's so <laughs> or you know we open our science books and we look at different kinds of leaves and i'm like okay but why are we outside looking at leaves kind of a thing so yeah, we always had a child that called every day in my classroom for the, our town had a, maybe this one does too, had a number you could call and it give you the temperature. And so they would call and we could record, you know, and then we go out and see, did it feel that temperature to us? And I just, there's just a lot of math and, and I just think just really good learning that was mm -hmm. taking place with that. So that was the hot job everybody wanted was to call the temperature. <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 we did the rotating jobs. Everybody wanted that job. <laughs> oh, look, it's cold today. <laughs> and again, to me, that's just such a reflection of the littlest of things from adult perspective that just mean the most. Mm -hmm. It never occurred to me, oh, the telephone would be the most popular. I thought line leader, you know, or something would be the most popular. <laughs> no, getting to go use the telephone oh, because back then, you know, nobody had phones that they carried or anything, so it was a big right. deal. A big deal. Practice it, practice it. And it felt like a big grown-up thing. Very to much do. so. Very much so. Yeah, and be able to write that number down and bring it back and say the temperature, and then we'd have the kids guess the temperature before they told what it was. You know, it's just, it was just a, <laughs> and it was really, I, it was just a lovely part of the day for me. Wow. It really was. That's so. cool. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course.
Um, so obviously you're very passionate about books. You've talked yeah. about what they have to offer our children mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I think a lot of moms feel like they're too busy to find great books on the shelves yeah. or, um, or even that uh, it, there's a lot of terrible books yeah. <laughs> to find yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so do you have tips or resources on how to find great books for your kids? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, we have resources here at the library. We have like lots of different lists of books that might work for different um, families. But then the first thing I would say is I absolutely bow with respect to every family needs to make the decisions about what's best for their children. I can make lists and say I think these might be possibilities, but I would never presume to say these are the books that you need to read to your child because that child, as much as I love them, is not in my family. And so I think that always needs to be at the parental decision. But in terms of choosing books, it's such a good question. Um, I, I kind of operate on there's no bad choice. Because if, if a parent or if I, whatever, with a little one, go and pick a bunch of books and then we get home and I start to read one of them or more than one of them and it doesn't work out or it, doesn't, it isn't what I value or it doesn't, to me that's golden because then there's the conversation that can happen. Like, oh, you know what, I picked this book and actually I'm not enjoying it. It doesn't seem to happen. Then we can talk about why we're not enjoying it or if it doesn't go with values that we have. We can choose how we want to handle that because I think there's power in children learning from adults that we too make mistakes <laughs> and that we have um, opinions about things and we value them enough to share it. And I don't ever think they're too young for that actually. And of course when they're little bitty tiny ones, um, whatever we read to them is fine. I had a professor once that said, you know, you can read the phone book. As long as you read it with enthusiasm, they're actually going to love it. And he's right. Yeah. And so. Um, I, whatever I could say to, re, to relieve any pressure that parents might feel that, oh, I hope I make the right choice, because I have had parents come in with a sweet parent, you know, come in and say, oh, I just want to make sure I get the right books for them. And then I say, well, the fact that you're in here wanting books is the rightest you can be. There's nothing you can do better than that. Just, you, know, you can find out what your child likes, and over time you'll find out the kinds of books and things that they like, but I just don't think you can make a bad choice. I love that, to use that as a teaching moment yeah, I think, with your children. Yeah, I think so. That's cool. Thank you. Um, okay, so you've seen a lot of good examples of parenting. I have. You've seen some less good examples of parenting over I the years. I, um, I think a lot of moms especially worry about the judgment of a librarian when yes. they come to a public place. Yes. Um, I'm sure there are judgy librarians out there, but I would say for the most part, a children's librarian knows that there are really active kids that pull books off the shelves, Absolutely. and there are children that too. throw tantrums, <laughs> yes. and those, yes. uh, that's just something that happens. It so is. I'm wondering, what do you actually notice? About what's, what's actually cringeworthy to a children's librarian? Well, I can tell you what's cringeworthy to this children's librarian. Sure. Um, and what I call, uh, and I will explain it when I say cringeworthy. When this happens, it doesn't happen often. Um, thank goodness for many reasons. When it happens, um, I usually have to go to the back for a bit and just breathe because I can't really be in the presence of it. Um, and it's when someone um, is um, devaluing their child, saying things in a way that um, I say, saying things to a child that we would never say to each other as an adult. Now, maybe that person would or something. I don't know. Um, but saying things like, um, you don't have to take care of things, so we're not going to check anything out. Or, <laughs> which in my mind, um, you know, I try really hard to accept 
that everyone is, I mean, all of us are on our own journey, and it is our journey, and it's not our journey to move into where someone else is. Yeah. And like I said, I know we're all on our own journey. I try really hard to respect that everybody is on their own journey and not to put, you know, a judgment on anything that someone is saying or doing within, I guess, you know, reasonable limits. Um, but that those words are hard um, to hear. You know, you don't know how to take care of anything, so we're not going to let you check out. Or um, I'm just tired of you being around me. You know, those kind of okay. things are just really, they're tough to hear. Um, I don't hear them often. Um, we have an amazing community here, and I'm just in awe of um, many of the, um, so, so many of the parents, especially including you as a parent, as I've shared, in terms of how you all parent. But it will come up from time to time, and it's, um, it's a very, um, I really don't have words for it. It's so devastating to me, and I can just feel my heart just go to my feet. Um, and I don't for a, a moment think that that adult that parent or whoever that adult is with the child, I don't for a moment think they're intentionally, knowingly doing something to deliberately hurt their child now, and even as I believe it can continue, as they continue to grow, mm -hmm. that those words stay, um, it's still devastating. So that's, yeah. Well, as someone who still hears words yeah. um, as an adult that you, yes. that you heard as a child, yes. um, we yes. all have those. Yeah, those records playing in we do. Of, of the negative. We do, so. we do. And I know that we're all, I believe that we're all doing the best that we can at any given time. It's just that sometimes our best, uh, that our kids need more than our best, if that makes sense. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's a tough one. But I really love being able to um, listen and watch and be on the periphery or even in the middle of parents with their children who delight in them and, and love them and yes, and you know, um, are frustrated by them as well. I mean, parenting is a really tough job. I mean, I think it's the toughest job in the world and with the biggest rewards and the least positive attention that comes to it. Um, so I love being in that and, and I, I've learned so much from parents and um, watching them and, and um, use, having them as models for me as well, so yeah. Okay. Um, well, on that note, yeah. I uh, I wonder. I mean, obviously, a big part of your job is working with the children. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen a children's librarian do it in quite the same way, where you take real opportunities to teach the parents mm. in your story time mm. and um, talking about ways to read or things that you should make sure you questions to ask when you read or or singing with your children. Um, it seems that that's a real goal of yours as well. So I wonder how you view that relationship, how you view your role as a children's librarian, both with the children, but also as a, as a teacher of parents. Oh wow, that's a really good question. Um, I, um, I do think that story time, um, I think any time, but I'll just stick to story time right now in progress. <laughs> I think story times offer a really good opportunity for connection of information. So I do like to take the opportunity and bless you all as parents who are, so far have never said, okay, we don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> that they, you know, that you all let me talk about um, just what I feel that I've learned based on my experience. It may or may not be relevant um, to each individual family, but um, I see the role of a children's librarian um, very much like I see the role of a parent and very much like I see the role of a, of a teacher and that is we're all in it together to, to help our children be all that they can be, whatever that is. So if I have an opportunity to say, you know, when you're reading aloud to your children, 
um, as much as possible if we can all remember not to use the word no <laughs> when we ask a question. Because if we say, you know, what do you think is going to happen? And the child gives us an answer that in our head we're thinking, there's no way. That's what's going to happen. Um, to find our temptation as an adult naturally is just say, no, that's, that's not right. Or no, that isn't what's going to happen. But if we can find a way at that moment in our mind just instantaneously to shift it around and say something like, well, you never know. You know, let's read. Because then our children will always want to answer our questions. And they will always want to take a risk. And I think that's one of the things I've really learned over the years from children is things as an adult that I wouldn't think are taking a risk. You know, adults, I'm an adult thinking, oh, you know, taking a risk would be running across traffic in Seattle. You know what I mean? That's a risk. Risk for children is answering an adult question because they see adults as all-knowing for the most part. Oh, they so they're about 12. They, yeah. see them as, <laughs> they see them as all-knowing. They see them as big, literally big. They see them as their whole world in many ways, which they are. So to answer an adult question without that kind of support can be quite frightening. And I really have learned that from children over the years, is to handle the questions tenderly as much as possible. And of course, do I slip at times? Of course I do. I mean, we all do. I just try really hard to be conscious to, to handle those, my responses to their responses really tenderly. And then I think the door is more likely to stay open. Okay. I have one last question before yeah. I get to my rapid fire, um, <laughs> okay. and that is, what do you wish that more parents knew? Oh, wow. I guess I will say something that's pretty um, traditional uh, and very true. I, I wish parents knew how fast it all goes. It goes very fast. I had a mom many years ago. Uh, I don't think she made it up. Uh, in fact, I'm sure she told me that at the time. but. I don't know the actual source of it. It was probably just a mama once upon a time who said, the days are long, the years are short. Mm -hmm. And I think that really, when I heard that, it was like, oh, that's profound. Because time goes so fast. And as a 63-year-old woman, I see it so much more every day. You know, I don't feel, for example, I feel 63, whatever that is, inside of me. I am 63, and then I realize, oh, it's generationally just gone so fast. So I guess that's what I would say, is that for parents to, I wish they knew how, that it really goes so fast and how every day has something, no matter how bad it is, and there's bad days, <laughs> there are, there are bad weeks sometimes too, but no matter what, no matter how bad something is on a given day or a given week, there's something in there to be found that we can share with our children that's, that's good and um, that, that softens the hardness of life because it's hard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a mom share that with me about a baby shower for my first. So oh, I that's completely lovely. agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay, are you okay. ready? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Kathleen, what is your favorite sound? Uh, children's laughter. What's your least favorite sound? Um, anything loud and grinding. Okay. <laughs> like a chainsaw or a motor. Yeah, that's okay. good. What's your favorite word? This is interesting. My favorite word, this took me a long time to think about. It. It's away. <laughs> because when I was in the first grade, my first grade teacher was teaching us to read. And um, she wrote the word away up on the board. I can still hear the chalk on the board. And she said, today we are going to learn a very big and important word. The word is away. Like, I mean, I just hear it, and then she said, let's all say it together, away. And this book is going to take us away to places that we've never been. 
and I so remember that, and I was six years old at the time. Oh, so oh, I have so to say, away, oh, isn't it? I know. That's a great answer. Well, I love that. Win the prize for that one. That's really good. <laughs> wow. Well, this due to her, I can just see her hand, and, and I can say this as a sixty-three-year-old, her arm, you know, had the flappy stuff oh, on. Just like mine doesn't. And she was like, away, and I just—it was just like she really just put me on a magic carpet, and then just went. It was just something. That's incredible. Yeah. Kathleen, what do you know? Um, I've given this a lot of thought. I, what I know is that the single most important thing that I, um, that I believe that I know is that to let each other, but particularly our children, know they matter. Because that's what we all want. I don't care if we're three weeks old, six years old, 20 years old, 63 years old. We want to know that we matter. And I think as, I think as long as every person, but certainly every child, has at least one, and hopefully many more than that, but at least one person in their life that they know in their core that they matter to, then things are okay. And when they don't feel they matter, then to me that's when you know catastrophe can really happen. Because if you don't if you don't feel you matter, then what's the point? And I mean I hear that at times and read that in terms of particularly with teenagers and things like that. And, and it's it's heartbreaking. And, and from my own perspective, with everything that's been happening in our country, um, you know, with the violence and all, to me, it all stems back to that person that committed the heinous crime had to feel it didn't matter. And I just think that's a truly, I, I know that's my core. What we need to do is help each other know that they matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What do you want to learn? I want to learn how to keep learning. <laughs> I, I really enjoy learning. I want to, I just want to continue, not just, but I want to continue to learn how to be in this world and um, be, a, be a presence for good, whatever that is, to whoever that is. I, I make a lot of mistakes <laughs> and uh, I, I try to learn from them and um, that's what I want to keep learning, keep going. What scares you? Well, I touched on it just a little bit ago with what I know. I'm, I'm scared about where we are as a nation in many ways and as a world. And uh, I sound old and curmudgeon-y when I say it. Um, I'm, I'm very concerned. Um, I, I, I don't think things were in any way ideal or perfect at, with my generation growing up, far from it. Um, I'm very concerned that our children live in a world where you, someone says there was a shooting and then someone else will say, well, wh which one? I just, I, it just takes me to my core. I just, that's, that's not how I think life should be for any of us, but particularly for our children. Um, and no matter how much we try to protect them and shield them, and I think we all do as parents and people that love them, it's inevitable that they come across situations because it's so pervasive, and so I'm scared for that. I'm scared. I'm also hopeful because I believe anything's possible, so I'm hopeful that things will change, but that does scare me. Yes. It is frightening. It is frightening. I, and I will say this to you as a parent, and if anybody's watching this, parent, it, it sounds really selfish, and I'll own it. I'm really grateful that I'm not a parent, because I'm just not sure what I would do. I would hope I would know what I would do, but it just seems so overwhelming. Uh, it just seems so overwhelming. I, I don't. I have so much to learn from you all as parents, because as I think about it, I just think, I have a hard enough time handling it with myself, within our own family, you know, those kind of things. I, I don't know if I was a parent what I would do, what I would say that would really help my child feel safe because I'm just not sure where that is anymore. Mm. Exactly. That's something to be scared of. It is. It is. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 
What are you good at? Well, talking. <laughs> I can talk a lot. Uh, um, I think I'm good with children. I think so. I, I, it is my, it is my intent to be. Certainly far from perfect, but I think I'm good with children, and um, I really enjoy writing, and so I think I'm pretty good at writing. Thank you so much for thank meeting you. me today. Oh, thank you. It's really an honor. And, and I, like I said, I salute you as an amazing parent. And I, I get to know and see many, many people in our community. And, and when I'm out and about, and having said that, I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, Kathleen's here so much. I love the reality of parenting. So watching parents. So when a child is you know, losing their temper or whatever, I never see that as a sign that, oh, well, something's wrong with that parent. In fact, I see it as the opposite that that child, you know, is being themselves and the parents can handle it. And so um, I really admire um, the parenting that you and so many do in these really challenging times. Thank you. Thank you. Can't you just hear in her voice how much she loves children? No wonder they respond so significantly to her. I love those four things that she mentioned that parents should be doing with their children regularly. And I also appreciate how fiercely she protects childhood and encourages all parents to do the same. Thank you for listening to the More Than Mothering podcast. You can visit the website at morethan-mothering.com for show notes, images, and the video form of this interview, as well as many other interviews with remarkable women. If you are having a less than day, I hope you leave feeling more than.